the theme for the evening talk is mudita, that's M-U-D-I-T-A. And uh, mudita is a Pali word, it's the language that many of the Buddhist texts are recorded in. And its meaning is uh, shown in the English equivalent of appreciation, of uh, gratitude, of uh, happiness, of spiritual uh, joy, of uh, acknowledgement and recognition of the uh, happiness and welfare uh, of others. So where is the matter of the heart? And showing itself particularly in an appreciative joy, which is a very direct uh, translation of the word uh, mudita regarded by the Buddha as one of the great and divine abidings of of life. Just um, um, two two or three uh, weeks ago at home, I was uh, watching um, a a film on the television, and it was a a recent um, adaption of one of uh, William Shakespeare's plays, uh, Othello. And and in watching it, for those of you, incidentally, who have ever experienced or undergone those intensely cutting pains of of, of jealousy and uh, envy, um, ought to read or watch Othello. And essentially... It's the theme of Othello, who's a um, a leader, who's very, very uh, popular, and is married to a very uh, beautiful uh, young woman. And one of his close uh, uh, lieutenants um, is plotting and scheming to create a rift, a division, between Othello uh, and his wife by encouraging Othello to believe that another one of the uh, lieutenant's assistants to Othello is having a secret affair with his wife. And therefore his wife doesn't really love him, though she pretends to. And the whole play weaves its way through this uh, plot and the corruptive influence on the heart, on the emotional life, that can arise through jealousy, the fear of losing love, which is jealousy, through uh, envy, wanting to have a bigger, envious of a status of somebody else, in this case the leader, and wanting to have that kind of status. And all the tragic manipulations of the uh, heart and mind to coerce circumstances to satisfy the self. And as I say, possibly in more subtle forms, uh, jealousy and uh, envy easily can enter and pervade the heart and all the outflow and the outcome of that in, in a destructive manner. And, and one thing I must say, as a lover of Shakespeare, that one never, unlike Hollywood, one never knows the ending. One never knows whether the ending is going to be a nightmare for one and all, 
or whether it will work out satisfactorily or whatever. One thing one knows, it seems to me with Hollywood films, that the uh, uh, end result nearly always works out well. Nearly always works out uh, comfortable for the hero and the heroine, uh, etc. So they go through all their traumas and it all comes to good in the end. This is called not life. <laughs> this is called Hollywood. There. And one of the intriguing things with, uh, in this case, uh, uh, Shakespeare and some other such uh, uh, playwrights, that all the way through one has no idea what will turn out, and Shakespeare is not interested in happy, polite endings. And I think there's something authentic about that, as well as the tremendous uh, insights and understanding that can run through uh, you know, emotional and in, uh, life and the vibrate, vibrancy of it. I mention it in relationship to Mudita, because in uh, uh, Mudita, the joy at the happiness of others, uh, the gladness at the success of others, at the welfare of others, carries with it, by the very fact of it being mudita, spiritual joy, uh, a tremendous degree of freedom from any possessiveness. And if we look at any jealousy, or that means of loss of love of another, or any, any envy wanting what another has, we will see in that, of course, the strain, the tragic strain again, of the possessiveness and the wanting intensified so much that as some people uh, report on retreats and el elsewhere, that feeling of jealousy sometimes seems to be like a knife cutting and one of the most painful emotions for any uh, human being to, to have to, to deal, deal with. And therefore, we look at once again at the contact at the build-up of the feelings, the desire, uh, the fears uh, that go along with it, and of course the terrible torment of mind. And there will obviously be in the hall here a number of people who will know exactly uh, what I mean, will and easily can recall in life periods when one was losing the love of somebody for uh, somebody uh, else, and the and all that went on inside the the, the, fe the feeling life. Sometimes we forget that connection, love, joy, uh, mudita does not ensure in any way uh, at all that therefore there will be a sustaining influence in that relationship, whoever or whatever form it might be taking. So that mudita, as I say, is a wonderful antidote in that respect to the jealousies, the envies, the possessiveness, uh, etc. And sometimes... You know, Go back to Shakespeare for uh, a, a moment. Sometimes in uh, such readings in, in the world of fiction as in the world of non-fiction, sometimes in the, uh, the world of such uh, uh, stories, there are lines and statements in it which obviously have been carried on for uh, centuries. And we hear and use and uh, repeat them because they have struck a deep uh, human chord. And I think literature genuinely deep literature, can be a, a wonderful resource to help us understand our lives. All too often, we turn too quickly to how-to books, and the shelves are packed jammed tight with how-to books. I know, I've written a couple of them. And 
And sometimes we need to spread our awareness out and perhaps, as I say, we can get a lot of resource, joy, insight, uh, comfort and understanding uh, as, as well um, in, the, in, in the world of stories, in the world of uh, fiction. And I think Shakespeare, among many others, of course, is a, a tremendous uh, inspiration and illustration of, of what I mean, of insight into the personality and the, the dynamics of relationship in personality where much, much of the difficulties and the conflict and the confusion ar ar arises. In attending to uh, spiritual joy and uh, all that uh, uh, goes, with, goes with it, I said earlier on uh, as well that sometimes, and we speak a lot about it, we speak a lot about matters of the heart. We like to be in touch with heartful people. We like to have access to those uh, uh, deeper feelings and in intimations. And sometimes there, there is... a. a a wish, and that wish can get inflated and exaggerated when we so-called want to keep our heart open all the time. And sometimes we're wanting to have a continuity of openness of the heart which is not really in accordance with the conditions of life. And therefore we can be expecting, and this is important to be aware of in ourselves, we can be expecting too much of the heart, expecting too much of the deeper inner feelings of life. And when, therefore, we lose a sense of access to the heart, if there has been exaggerated expectations to keep our heart open in all situations, the expectations will come in, forming the negative judgments. We say to ourselves, I should keep, be able to keep my heart open. I should be able to be receptive. I should be able to be really grateful that uh, she or he is leaving me for somebody else. <laughs> or, 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 uh, what, what, uh, what, whatever uh, it, it may be. And sometimes we haven't realized that there has been an accumulation this is one of the great dangers in spiritual life and uh, practice, of building up of expectations upon oneself because one has either leanings towards perfectionism, keeping my heart open all the time is a, the statement of the perfectionist, or uh, towards in the movement of uh, the uh, expectations uh, towards that, imagining or believing that it is possible. There's a belief which is supporting uh, this idea. Just, uh, uh, I was just speaking with a friend a little while ago, and I was um, in um, uh, London on the uh, underground and going to uh, visit uh, uh, the publisher. And like many, many cities, on a normal uh, weekday uh, morning, there's this large mass of... Uh, uh, humanity who have uh, uh, struggled out of bed um, um, half-blindedly um, found their toothpaste and their toothbrush and um, had a, a, a swig of uh, 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 coffee or tea or, or, or whatever and have 
join the, the other mass of uh, humanity who have all done exactly the same thing uh, uh, there. And just standing on the uh, underground, in uh, going from one train, uh, one place uh, to, to, the, to the other, the very pressure, the compactness, the tightness of uh, people, and people losing themselves in their newspaper and their uh, uh, books or their daydreams or, or whatever, leaving with feeling quite happy and, uh, uh, and quite happy to be in the city and uh, to be in the flow of things, but yet nevertheless still can be extraordinarily hard to uh, feel happy and, and joyful and uh, etc. simply because people are so squ are squashed together and when one's <laughs> head is stuck under some, somebody's armpit on a hot summer's day um, um, it's, uh, it would be unusual if, if, if gratitude came pouring out of oneself. <laughs> so as to say, sometimes in certain situations in, in, in the uh, 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 daily life, we need, as human beings of course, to be quite cognizant of the actuality of the feeling life, its relationship to uh, uh, what is around, and therefore, sometimes, as the Buddha very wisely reminded us and pointed out, that as deep a feeling in life of equanimity, that means deep uh, peace and uh, clarity, does matter as much and is as significant as joy, as appreciation, as, as, as gratitude. And therefore, if you and I know ourselves well, and we know our heart well, in the natural order of things, in the natural way of things, joy arises in natural circumstances, and if there is a, a depth, then also and equally, of course, there will be the presence of uh, equanimity and that steadiness in such situations. And that might be going to work in the morning, or, or whatever it might be. In the matter of attendance of the heart, it also means as well, of course, that other aspects and features of our uh, inner life matter as well. And in a life in which our mind acts and moves a great deal, here, as well as elsewhere, there obviously in our circumstances a great deal of doing which is taking place. One has to look in one situation here as well uh, equally. And as some of you have pointed out and expressed uh, yourselves as well, and in the attendance of the meditation, one can ha keep having the view arising of doing something. Now I'm going to do my practice. Now I'm going to do my meditation. Now I'm going to my walking period. Now I'm going to, to sit. So the mind, keep, in its movement, keeps having the sense of something to do. When we keep having the sense of that there is something to do and we have to do it, it's in the very way of uh, human life that it will have to generate at some point some resistance. And we think the resistance is just about sitting on the earth. We think the resistance is just about standing or just about uh, uh, walking. The probability is the sitting, walking, sta standing, etc. is rather rather, not totally, but rather neutral. And what's actually going on with us is that 
the idea that I have to do is actually generating the resistance. It's not actually in the sitting. It's not in the walking or in the standing. It's the idea I have to do. And as a result, in the I have to do comes the resistance, and with the resistance comes some pressure, and with the pressure comes some doubt. And this mode of being constricts our life, but it does more than that. The constriction stops the joy. Nothing in this earth can stop this stop happiness and gratitude and appreciation as much as contraction, restriction and resistance, which is unattended to. And sometimes we notice the fiction of it. And and that fiction of it can be one is constantly carrying the idea I have something to do and now I've got to do this, and now I've got to do that. When the pressure builds up, the resistance comes, and then, as some of you pointed out, one wishes to to escape. Sometimes the resistance can seem very strong. The view is carried right to the very moment that you walk into the seat, onto the seat here. And one sits down, and one actually believes implicitly that the view which is carried towards the situation will be the confirmation of how it will be. Enormous ego conceit in all of this. But sometimes you think, oh my God, it's going to be an absolute terrible sitting. I hate these sittings. That person sitting uh, near to me um, um, has obviously got TB and I can't get any... (laughs) any uh, 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 peace and, 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 and quiet and then there's some, some, uh, somebody else who has a, a vendetta against humanity and insists on carrying uh, their watch or clock into the room which sounds just like Big, Big Ben or, 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 or whatever uh, it, it, might, it might be a few people here are looking at their watches so it's a good point <laughs> And so one comes into a a situation and uh, sits down and the view and the resistance is all there and sometimes we see that the actuality, the event, doesn't confirm what the resistance was and sometimes one is enormously surprised at the sheer contrast and the lack of the mind in its interpretation of what will be, how mythological it can be. And therefore we sit and in our, in our sitting sometimes the joy comes, the happiness comes, the deep sense of, of uh, life is essentially okay comes and yet we couldn't have thought that would be possible in the manner and tone of the position, the resistance that we were carrying as we came into the hall here. And yet how easily and quickly we actually forget this. And, e- and e- equally important with joy, with um, uh, mudita uh, ar- arising, the idea of having to do is one of the sure ways of depriving oneself of happiness. The idea carried around in the mind of having to do is, is the death of happiness takes away happiness like nothing else will do. And yet we 
keep carrying this either because of the expectations in life which are generated upon us or because of the expectations we're generating upon ourselves. And then we ask ourselves afterwards, whatever, why aren't I happy? Why aren't I experiencing mudita in daily life? Why, can't, why aren't I happy in the meditation or, or whatever it, it, it might be? And it's because we've got this fixation of mind. And there's very little protest, very little real deep concern about us as hum, human, human beings consistently caught in this particular strand of indoctrinated thinking from within and without. And therefore sometimes with us, we still, in the practical way, in the real world as we might like to call it or whatever, there are times when we have things to do. Definitely. There are, there are times when we are not happy to have to do them, like give retreats, or whatever it might be. No, no, it's a joke. Or whatever it might be. And, but there are certainly are, are times when we don't want to hear one more story about confusion, um, knee pains, and wandering thoughts, or whatever. So sometimes we don't feel overwhelmingly joyful at, 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 at um, um, hearing about your disastrous last meditation. Nevertheless, <laughs> so therefore the sense of duty, the sense of having to do, or in this case having to listen to, or having to work with, or whatever, uh, 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 arises. I can't imagine that, um, uh, the Buddha spent 45 years with one permanent grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> So if he couldn't, what hope for the rest of us in regard to this? So the, the sense of, yes, I have to do, yes, I have to attend to, yes, I must be responsible for, etc. But just as, as much in life we keep asking, and Andrew and Shara and I reminding you about the importance of impermanence, the importance of seeing things rise and pass, the importance of... of Noticing that passing and sensing a space and, and knowing the experience of life of not having to do something. And perhaps out of that there is an authentic and genuine uh, receptivity and, and opportunity for the heart life to breathe. So that we're, therefore we're not saying uh, that heart life is going to be open all the time. How can it be for any thoughtful, res uh, responsible, caring and committed human, uh, human being? There are things to do there, and, there, and there are resistances to doing them. We don't feel particularly heartful about whatever that, that might be. But at least, surely, you and I can have enough awareness and appreciation of the, ari the arising of those particular periods of time and therefore the passing of those particular moments or sequences that are taking place. So that then we can come back to heartfulness, come back to receptivity, and come back to the bottom line, what matters most for human beings is happiness. To be happy is the most sweetest of all things that human beings know. The thing which we as human beings love the most, and tragically, 
we've lost the art of finding it. Tragically, we're in danger of losing it. And tragically, it may be because of the obsession and the addiction and the identification with the idea, things which I have to do. Relative in time and place, and we must know the mind when it's that isn't in it. Isn't in the equation, isn't in the moment, isn't in the hour, isn't in that particular uh, day. So that the mudita, natural happiness and gladness with life and appreciation for it, gets a chance to breathe through, through our being. I, I, uh, yesterday, I, I went to um, um, Boston and uh, Cambridge and uh, uh, Denise, one of the, uh, the staff here at IMS, uh, kindly uh, uh, drove, uh, drove, me, drove me in. Because if, I, if I, I drove in, it would be, would be a disaster area um, uh, there because I'd be telling everybody they were driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and so uh, while going there into, um, to Boston, I actually went to meet with, um, 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 if I may say, with the Shambhala, Shambhala uh, uh, book publishers and who have very, very uh, uh, kindly published the, the books of uh, Joseph, Joseph Goldstein and uh, Sharon Salzberg and uh, many, uh, many other uh, uh, Dharma, Dharma friends and uh, I may say one or two of my own. And in uh, meeting uh, with, with, with them, uh, we were touching upon the tremendous flow of interest that's taking place in Dharma practices and, and teachings and making these things uh, very, very relevant and practical for uh, uh, daily life uh, uh, circumstances. And the IMS body of teachers has made a, a, a tremendous contribution, uh, as well as other places, towards making the teachings genuinely down to earth, have spirituality really in, in the life. And some of you know through your own love of uh, the Dharma and the practice, how, despite and in spite of many, many things in life, how much joy, just to know that that resource is available. That's Mudita. Just to know there are facilities like IMS, which are a refuge and a sanctuary for people to come to. Open door. Every, anybody can come. State of mind, body. We do what we, what we can. And that brings, again, that Mudita, that joy out of, out of the being in terms of the love and the commitment and dedication to the Dharma and to the practice. And all of us are immense uh, beneficiaries of that. And as the uh, managing uh, uh, director of uh, Shambhala was saying, that he's noticing all of that, which brings another joy, and, and us see this as well, that in, during the 1980s, Buddhism and so forth was felt to be rather foreign, alien, somewhat unrelated. It finds its way through the practices of uh, deep kindness, through awareness, through the depths of meditation, through non-violence, through tolerance, through uh, engaged spirituality, through compassion, through body of wisdom teaching. It finds its own avenue and relationship into a society, generating more respect and interest there. And it's not so alien um, anymore. And just hearing how that's reflected in teachings and practices which are going out. It's another way of saying how important 
appreciation is, appreciative joy, the exact words of the Buddha, appreciative joy, the things un unfolding. So your ability in the meditation, in the day to stop, in the day to be still, in the day to know that there is nothing to do, there is nowhere to go, allows and makes applicable that sense of um, connection with what is. One of the signs that the connection with what is is getting clearer with you is that it brings out of the feeling life happiness. It's the signal, it's the indicator of a greater sense of connection is that, and that happiness for some may be very strong and tense, it may take the form of a blissful kind of happiness. For others it may not, and it may never take that blissful kind of happiness, but it may take uh, just a refinement, um, a subtlety uh, there of a quiet, rather sublime connection with things. Not blissfully happily, not exuberantly happy in that form, but in another expression of it, where one just feels things are right. Just feel there is so much available with the here and now. And in, and in the very quietitude of that kind of mudita, and in the, the sublime um, nature and uh, presence of it, what helps, as I say, to make it more possible is the sense of being rather than having something to do. That's all. That itself, if we're patient, that itself, the sense of being rather than having something to do. Very precious thing about the, the area of, uh, of um, um, meditation. Sometimes in that, I brought in, when I was in um, uh, Boston, Cambridge, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, yes, yesterday, and uh, there, I, um, one of the um, people on the retreat here regularly gives me one of those uh, lovely uh, book cards, so that when I take the card into the Wordsworth bookshop where I make the pilgrimage, and um, buy uh, uh, two or three books, as I uh, uh, love, love uh, reading. And so I bought another uh, translation of uh, Rilke's uh, book and I, I just wanted to read. It's probably in the letters, the letters not in this book, but um, uh, Reina Maria uh, Rilke, who some of us regard as spiritual insights, of, uh, wonderful and breathtaking. And uh, the uh, translator, this is uh, Albert uh, uh, Fleming, um, begins at the very beginning here with one of the most famous quotes of uh, Rilke. And I just wanted to uh, refer, refer to it because it, it, it so fits in with uh, the theme of the talk. From his letters, this is letters to a young uh, 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 poet. And any of you, again, who are having existential difficulties with living, any... Uh, where you're in confusion about whether to choose the easy or the difficult. Rilke says the difficult, which is the only choice, really. And uh, many other, other things. Read Rilke's letters to, 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 to the young poet. It's breathtakingly uh, insightful. So in one of the paragraphs, which is the word for itself, if you, if you just spent the rest of your life, I believe me, <laughs> contemplating that paragraph there, you would not have wasted your existence. 
It's a slight exaggeration, but anyway. <laughs> Rilke writes, Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. It's one of the most famous paragraphs, famous sentences of Rilke's volume of writings. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Sometimes we turn our attention to the heart, heart or issues going on with our life, past, present and future. Heart in terms of our inner world and its relationship to the, the out, outer world. And Sometimes we want the answers, we want things resolved, we want things resolved quickly. And we bring the questions to the heart. And we place those questions trying to get an answer, trying to understand, trying to make sense of, trying to come to a conclusion uh, about. And Rilke's wise and um, illuminating advice, be patient with your questions to yourself. And then he says, it's so important. Can we learn to love the questions themselves? If we learn to love the fact that we are looking, we do want to find out, we want to discover what the depth of the being is and what's really deep with us. And we, and, and we love that, we're really interested in that. The, the, the wonderful and magical outcome is that the answer doesn't quite matter so much because one has a real love of the question, real love of the opportunity to actually be silent, be still, and really attend to, to the matters of the heart. And therefore the love of the, of the, of the question it itself is a beautiful vehicle for the understanding. But sometimes it is, the love and the question aren't going together. And we're questioning, 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 and what's going with it is pressure. What's going with it is demand. What's going with it is, I want to know, I want, a, I want, I want an answer, I want a solution. I want a resolution of this. And, and therefore the questioning uh, has got too much self in it. The questioning has, uh, has got I in it. The questioning has got impatience in it. And Rilke says and reminds us sweetly and, beauti and, and, and beautiful, let's love the question. Let's love the question. Let's love the questioning life. And then he says, I'll, if I may, I'll read the poems. Uh, one of the people here, actually, a lovely man, a surgeon who was here in April, um, sent me an, um, an email and uh, just a few few weeks ago, and um, made me, made me smile a little bit. He said, "Christopher, just look at these twelve words." And, uh, and it was a deep insight about the nature of, of life. He said, "Christopher, I've listened listen to you." He said, "Christopher, you seem to take hundreds and hundreds of words, thousands of words. What could be expressed in twelve words?" <laughs> So I sent him an email back. I said, look, you have to, you must have to remember this. Look, mate, I'm in the Buddhist tradition. 
it's on one extreme, it's in, it loves words, and therefore it's a very wordy tradition. And to balance that out, if I dare use the word balance, to balance that out, it also loves silence. So that's what you get. <laughs> this is the reflection. R uh, Rilke loved, like many friends here, loved being on the road. Russia, Sweden, uh, Denmark, Czechoslovakia, Germany, uh, Spain. Tremendous sudden outbursts of creative energy, periods of dryness and um, nothing happening, and then fresh flows, and then inconsistencies. That was all part of uh, 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 Rilke's uh, uh, way of being. This is the reflection in Spain. Is there nothing more left for me next? Shall I remain only a while longer? Often my weeping disturbs and my smiling distorts. But at times I recognize in the light of the healing flame intimately my innermost heart. My heart that once so tenderly responded to the spring of life, even though it was carefully stored away in the cellars of life, oh, how it was at once prepared, daringly, to undertake the greatest of ascents, climbing and understanding like a star the descending night. Theme of the poem. Is there nothing more left for me next? Shall I remain only a while longer? At times I recognize intimately in the light of the healing flame my innermost heart. Sometimes when there are difficulties and there is healing taking place in relationship with ourselves, in relationship with others, what we are saying, what Rilke is reminding us, that what you're actually experiencing is intimately my innermost heart. And in the innermost heart, that healing can take place. And then he goes, he goes on, even though it was carefully stored away in the cellars of life. How easily, that's what happens with us. The deepest healing in the innermost heart, it's there, it's available for us, it gets stored away. It gets stored away because we lose the access, we lose the depth to it, and then we find ourselves in our life too much away from that which is most healing, that greater depth of the inner heart. And then he says, daringly to undertake that access to the cellars of one's uh, uh, inner life, out of that climbing and understanding like a star the descending night. In that depth, everything else can be acknowledged. Just recently, in, um, uh, um, when um, I was uh, uh, in, did I mention this about the eclipse? Did I say that? When I just before uh, came here, a couple of days before, we had this full eclipse. And I think it started off in, actually in Canada, and it made its way 
across the earth and through the area where I live in Devon and Cornwall and then through on into uh, through uh, France and Eastern Europe and then through Iran right to the Bay of Bengal and as I have this strip of this full eclipse uh, taking place and, and uh, this was on uh, August the 11th so that night uh, about 10 o'clock in the evening I uh, went down to South uh, Devon in the west country of England to the Prawl Point, it's the furthest most tip south uh, there's a very beautiful uh, coastline, um, uh, no homes, no houses, uh, there are uh, cliff tops, uh, beaches, rocks, uh, etc. Parked the car, put, uh, stepped in the uh, field uh, there uh, for, uh, um, during the night and woke up to the surprise of um, hundreds of other people turned up during the night uh, uh, there and just sat and, and did standing meditation on, on a ridge overlooking uh, uh, the sea and other people all along that coastline um, finding places to stand and, and to be quiet and uh, to, to watch for the eclipse. And of course, being, being um, um, uh, uh, England, few things in life are guaranteed. Clouds are always one of them. And so the clouds were, uh, 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 were, were there. And the eclipse itself, the moon covering the, uh, the sun, um, just a few minutes before, and some of you may have known have had this experience, and seen one of these, where the climate changes quite significantly. It was a lovely, warm, uh, pleasant day, and then the chill came uh, in the air. And there was, an, there was a kind of hush there. And then as the darkness came uh, right over, 97% darkness, there's a thin line of white out on the far horizon of, of, of the sea. And as the darkness came over, this uh, hush just descended on the earth. And people were just uh, standing in the various places all along the coastline and on the cliff tops and just looking out to sea. And it was so um, magical and, and awesome and, 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 and breathtaking. And, the, and there was this stillness in the silence and, and in the darkness there. And just as it came, of course, it, it just went. And as it faded away, and, that from the, and therefore from on the 11th day of the 11th hour of the 11th minute, that uh, the eclipse took place, and then in two minutes and uh, three seconds, it was over. And then um, out of the uh, darkness, out the light um, came, came back in. And all along the cliff tops, and on and the beaches, on the ridges, and in, in, the, in the fields, people started clapping, and, and you know, etc., I think with some relief, and... Uh, and those kind of moments, you know, of, of the, the awesome wonder of the nature, the, the, the extraordinariness of it, and, and just making the effort, and even, even though it took hours to uh, get back home because of the traffic jams and, uh, and, and, and all of that, but every moment of all of those hours were obviously worth it just for those two minutes and a few seconds, uh, the 11th moment uh, of the 11th the 11th day. And I mention all of that because in situations elsewhere in, in life where we have to attend to so many areas and difficulties and problems, 
We need in life that contact with the nature. We need those kind of experiences and uh, exposures uh, there. And we need to bring in heartfully and happily all of our uh, senses to make those things happen. And just a few days before, from a, a good friend in uh, uh, Geneva, whose uh, uh, father-in-law um, had, had, had died, and in some communication in the e e email uh, uh, with her, of all the things that death and uh, bereavement um, tell us and remind us in terms of our brief span uh, on sitting and walking on the face of, the, of this earth, that sometimes in just in our reflections with all of this, perhaps there are three things which of course have been touched upon in various ways uh, to remember uh, with the heart. Uh, one in, in, in life, that sometimes the matter of life and the vibrant, vibrancy of life comes for those who are willing to take risks comes to those who are willing to take risks. Other important area and feature of life that sometimes in that willingness, in our ways that we, we, we can of uh, taking risks, there's something in the inner life, in the physical and the cellular life, which responds to it, the challenge of it. And life has it, obviously, since it's a movement between the cycle of birth to death and the movement, it's the challenge is there already for us. And therefore, that risk um, gives some enlivening to the cellular life, and from the enlivening to the uh, cellular life, can generate and, and bring its own happiness. And for why to, as a statement, as an expression in life of what freedom is all about. And these things so easily, in the conditioned patterns of the mind, in the fixations of, of, uh, of you, these things we forget. We forget what it is just to take risks. Nothing dense nor dramatic, but the taking of risks. The willingness to place and expose ourselves into uh, circumstances and situations that bring about uh, uh, happiness. The advice of Rilke when speaking to the young poet, take the difficult. Don't just look for the easy. Work with the difficult. Acknowledge the difficult. Love the questioning. Or, or whatever, and all, all of that helps to bring out that innermost, so that our receptivity to the sky, that ascendancy to the, to, uh, the stars, something in us responds to it. And therefore in our life uh, we can say that freedom is not something far away, it's not something distant, it's not some kind of vague, abstract Buddhist concept or whatever, but there's an immediacy uh, about it. And one of the lovely confirmations of that immediacy is that the heart is the child of that freedom. The heart and its uh, wonder and its mystery and its fascination with living and the dynamic of it is a statement. It's the, the proof, the indication, the confirmation uh, of that. And sometimes you and I know in various ways that for our life to open up to reveal the great freedom of human beings, it requires from us sometimes, in some situations, the taking of risk. And if we never forget that, then we, that and the happiness 
will flow together. The freedom will flow with it, will flow through it and reveal it uh, uh, for, for us. And plenty of situations and the small subtle things. Here, if one says, um, I'm going to eat less. If one says, I'm going to uh, sleep less. I'm going to extend my sitting uh, uh, period. I'm going to uh, walk around um, uh, in the dark, though I'm, 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 I'm nervous about being uh, uh, in, in, in the dark or whatever. Small statements and confer uh, confirmations helps the mind to understand what those steps are. There's no use thinking as an escape in terms of huge and making big risks in one's life. That's often one of the ways to stop change. It's no use you and I living in great imagination and go, oh, I'd really like to, but I can't. That is an effective way of keeping us tied down and keeping us imprisoned. Steps, risks, doing something new, fresh, different, must start with where we are. There's no room for, in liberation for those kind of making those allegedly big leaps which we can't make Therefore, it's a way of not doing anything. Freedom counts and, 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 and is an exploration right in, right in the here and now. And here and now is the basic, wonderful, inexplicable, raw material uh, that we have. If I'd just like to finish with... Uh, um, Sharda has been encouraging me for some time to uh, read the uh, quite wonderful, wonderful... Um, poems of um, uh, Mary Oliver, who um, has been uh, very much uh, uh, adopted in the uh, Dharma uh, community. And I think um, most of the teachers probably, I'm sure I know Shada has regularly uh, read her poems uh, out, and I'm just joining the club. This is called Morning Poem. Every morning... The world is created. Under the orange sticks of the sun, the heaped ashes of the night turn into leaves again and fasten themselves to the high branches and the ponds appear like black cloth on which are painted islands. Of summer lilies, it is your nature, sorry, if it is your nature to be happy, you will swim away along the soft trails for hours, your imagination alighting everywhere. And if your spirit carries within it the thorn that is heavier than lead, if it's all you can do to keep on trudging, there is still somewhere deep within you a beast shouting that the earth is exactly what it wanted. Each pond with its blazing lilies, is a prayer heard and answered lavishly every morning. Whether or not you have ever dared to be happy, whether or not you have ever dared to pray. So in the uh, poem Mary, Mary uh, Oliver says, every day, the tradition is said again and again, every day the world is manifest. Every day the world is uh, created. And there is the sun and the leaves and the branches 
and the ponds and the summer lilies and the nature. And if we are willing to be happy, we'll swim with all of that. We'll be close with all of that. And our imagination, our contact, our awareness says, we'll keep lighting on, on all of that. And even if life seems heavy, like lead, she says, still somewhere uh, deep within us, there is a beast, a beast shouting, that deep within us, make, making clear exactly what is wanted. And if we really listen to that, we'll see a beautiful line. Each pond with its blazing lilies is a prayer heard and answered lavishly every morning. Every prayer is heard and answered every morning. If only we have eyes to hear it and to see it. And she said, that's true, she says in closing in the poem. Whether or not you have ever dared to be happy, whether or not you have ever dared to pray, whether or not you have ever dared, we would add, to meditate, still your prayers, your meditations have been answered. May all beings live with joy. May all beings live with heart. May all beings have all prayers answered. Let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.